How many declare today, it is well with my soul? Amen. What a beautiful hymn. We talked about that hymn last week. Written by Horatio Spafford, an attorney who moved into real estate and bought a bunch of land on Lake Michigan. Life was good until his four-year-old son passed away, until the Chicago fire, and in a matter of minutes, 100,000 people were homeless because a cow kicked over a lantern, and Horatio Spafford lost all his investments in one fire. Wanted to take a vacation, so he sent his, sent his family, his wife and four daughters, on a ship over to Europe. Take a one-week vacation, and then the other week they were going to go watch D.L. Moody preach the revival services in London. Halfway over the Atlantic Ocean, ship collided. and 280 men and women lost their lives, all four of his daughters. He got a telegram few days later from his wife that simply said, saved alone. And as he boarded a ship to go reunite with his wife, halfway over the Atlantic Ocean, the captain knocked on his door and said, this is believed to be the spot where you lost your four daughters. And he wrote the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. When sorrows like seas, billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. He ended up losing another son at the age of four after that. He lost six children and all his business. We talked about this last week. He that phrase, thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Powerful principle. Somebody taught him that whatever lot, whatever happens, whatever goes on in your life, you need to speak words of life and blessing and health. Whatever my lot, how often do we, when we get a bad lot, we end up complaining, moaning, groaning, getting upset, getting on Facebook, telling people how bad things are. Not Horatio. He says, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say. Powerful words. You know that when you speak, you're following our creator, our heavenly father, who was a, spoke things into existence and things were created. When you speak, you're following in the DNA of our heavenly father. Your words carry weight. And when you speak words, once you speak them, you can never take them back. Charlie Myers told me, I wish he was here today, I don't see him, but Charlie Myers told me, yeah, it's like toothpaste. Once you, get, once you squeeze toothpaste out of the tooth tube, it's hard to get it back, isn't it? <laughs> never get it back. Words are like that. Moms, be careful. Husbands, be careful what you say. 
Bosses, be careful what you say to your employees because once you speak them, you can never take them back. And Horatio Spatford knew the power of words. And he said, that whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. So we are in a year-long series on the hymns. You see the two posters behind us? That kind of tells you where we're going, what we're doing here at Pine Castle. We're taking every Sunday a different hymn. And we're uncovering the beautiful power in the, the stories of the hymns. Today we're looking at the, the hymn, Blessed Assurance. We sang it just a few minutes ago. What I love about these hymns, and by the way, I'm enjoying uncovering the beautiful life lessons that we can learn from the hymns of the church. Aren't you? Good, four of you. Thank you. <laughs> Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Blessed assurance was written by a young lady by the name of Frances Jane Crosby. She was known as the most prolific of all 19th century sacred songwriters. She was known as the queen of gospel songwriters. This is in the 1800s. You see her picture up there. I'll tell you why she looks like that in just a few moments. You don't have to be beautiful to be used by God, amen? A hundred million books containing her lyrics were sold in her lifetime. She wrote 8,000 songs or hymns, a thousand poems, four books, and two best-selling autobiographies. She wrote so many songs that the, that the publishing companies had to come up with different names for her because the hymn companies didn't want to have so many hymns written by one person. She had 200 names that she went by. Incredible young lady. At six months her age, her dad died. She had a mom who was 21 years old, and she had an eye infection. And a quack doctor, now this is before personal injury attorneys. <laughs> they didn't have billboards with. <laughs> Y'all are tempting me to get off my sermon. <laughs> a quack doctor put some kind of liquid in her eyes, and instantly she became blind. At 10 years old, she wrote this. Oh, what a happy child I am. Although I cannot see, I am resolved that in this world content I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. Wow. She goes on to say, 
it seemed intended by the blessed providence of God that I should be blind all my life. I thank him for this disposition. If perfect earthly sight were offered me tomorrow, I would not accept it. I might not have sung hymns to the praise of God if I had been distracted by the beauty and interesting things around me. Mm. She said, when I get to heaven, the first face that shall ever be gladden my sight will be that of my Savior. According to Ann Willis, her biographer, had it not been for her affliction, she might not have been so good in education or have so great an influence and certainly so fine a memory. She was asked how she ends up writing all these hymns, 8,000 hymns. She says, it may seem a little odd and old-fashioned, but I always begin my work with prayer. Never underestimate the power of prayer. I never undertake a hymn without asking the good Lord to be my inspiration. She was adopted by a very wealthy woman who was the founder of MetLife Insurance. And for several years, she lived in luxury, and then she decided in her final years that she was not going to live with the luxuries of man. And she moved to Manhattan in the inner city, Hell's Kitchen, and she gave away to the poor all the royalties that she had earned by writing all these songs. Listen to what she says. She says, from the time I received my first check for my poems, I made it in my mind to open my hand wide to those who needed assistance. See, what I love about the hymns, and we've sung them all these years, we've never understood that behind every hymn is a story. Behind every song is a person. And most times, these people are not writing, sitting on the beaches of the Bahamas with a pina colada in their hand. They are faced with trauma and crisis and sorrow, yet God in his beautiful sovereignty allows these men and women to pen words that we sing for years and years and years. I'm grateful for Mrs. Crosby that she was able to pen. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. So we're going to look at this hymn just for the next few moments, and I'm going to, I'm going to try to bring this home to help us today, how we can live a life of blessed assurance. Let me hear him amen if you're with me. Turn to, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. That's in the, old, uh, the, the, the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 2. And verse 9, how, Pastor Scott, can I live with blessed assurance? How is it possible that a woman can be blind her entire life, yet she pens the beautiful hymn, Blessed Assurance? Now, I looked up the word assurance, and this is what assurance means. And if you're going to leave here today, I want you to leave with assurance. 
I want you to be confident in who you are, but most importantly, in who God is. God wants you to live and to walk in assurance. Not timid, not fearful, not apprehensive, not sitting back allowing other people to do things, but you and I can walk in a God-fearing assurance that he wants to use us to make a difference in this world. You can be blind and still walk in confidence and be used by God. That word, they're blessed. That word was spoken by God the Father over Adam and Eve, and it was the first words that he spoke to mankind. Aren't you glad today that the first words that Adam and Eve heard was not, you're cursed. Amen. It wasn't, you're not good enough. You need to do more. You're not living up to my standards. No, the first words that God spoke over Adam and Eve was, I bless you. This is just not, this is not prosperity teaching. This is biblical teaching. God spoke blessing over Adam and Eve. And he speaks that over you today. I want you to be blessed. I bless you so that you can be a blessing. Fanny Crosby was blessed. And she penned the words, blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. She walked in a boldness and a confidence, and she was courageous. Even though she couldn't see, she could see because she knew who she was in Christ. This is all about how powerful God is. This is all about how great God is that God can use a blind woman to change the world. And now every time we sing that song, we can live in her legacy. God, help me to live with blessed assurance. God, help me to untap the gifts and the talents and the abilities that you've placed in me for your glory to live a blessed assurance. Amen. Are y'all with me this morning? Amen. That word there, assurance, blessed assurance. It's a positive declaration intended to give confidence. It's full confidence. Freedom from doubt. It's a promise. It's a pledge. Pledge. It's a guarantee. It's a surety that you and I can live because God speaks over us today. You are blessed, and I want you to walk in that assurance. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. How many of you are here today, and Jesus is yours? Can I see your hand? In the balcony. When Jesus is ours... And he's forgiven us of our sins. We have a newfound confidence and boldness that helps us to make a difference in this world. And Fanny Crosby illustrated that for us when she penned the word, blessed assurance. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. If you're still with me, let me hear an amen. amen. This chapter is talking about, and in verse Nine, it talks about men and women who stumble because they do not recognize the chief cornerstone. They do not recognize their need for Christ. How many of you have seen people stumble in your world and in your life? They stumble. How many have ever stumbled before? Every day. 
The older I get, the more I stumble. So the writer says, they stumble because they don't receive the chief cornerstone, Jesus. But look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But it says, but you. Everyone look at somebody and say, he's talking about you today. But you. Watch this. I don't want you to stumble. You don't have to live life stumbling, messing up all the time. But you, look what the writer says, but you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You are God's special people to show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Oh, I like that. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Watch this. You are a chosen people. You, my friend, in spite of our hang-ups and our sins and our weaknesses and our insecurities, he says, I've created you not to stumble like them. You are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You've been called out of darkness and into his marvelous light to show forth the praises of him. You once didn't receive mercy, but now you receive mercy. Can I tell you something today? The reason God has his hand upon your life, the reason why he can say to you today, you are chosen, you are special, you're a holy nation, is for you to live a life of purpose and destiny so that people can see your life and they can receive mercy because of the goodness that God has put in your life and in your heart. But you, you're a royal priesthood. See, you understand who you are in Christ. You understand that the gifts and the talents and the abilities that God has placed in you is not for you just to sit on and keep to yourself. It's for you to show forth the praises of him so that people will see your good works and they'll glorify God. This is not about you getting glory. This is not about you getting praise. This is about you being the people that God's called you to be so that people can look at you and praise God. And Fanny Crosby had every right to give in. She had every right to throw in the towel. She had every right to feel sorry for herself. But down deep in her heart, she understood who she was. She was a royal priesthood. She was a holy nation. She was called with a purpose and a destiny, and she used her gifts so that God would get glory. And she was able to pen the words, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. She understood that people were looking to her and she could point people to God by living a life of purpose and destiny. Can I get an amen? amen. So, Pastor Scott, how do I, let's go back to our notes here. I, I got all on a, a rabbit there for a second. When you live a life with blessed assurance, number one, you walk with courage and confidence. You know what I want to speak over you today? I want to speak courage over you and confidence. You don't have to be insecure. You don't have to be fearful. You don't have to be timid. 
Why? Because you're walking with a blessed assurance. Why do we walk like that? Because Jesus is mine. Look at the first phrase. I put it there in your notes. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. How many are glad you have Jesus today? Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God, born of his spirit, and washed in his blood. When you understand what she was penning there in, that wor in those words, you can walk with courage and you can walk with confidence. Can I get an amen? amen? Number two, when you live a life with blessed assurance and you live a life of a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, you walk with joy and optimism. Joy and optimism. Look what she says in the second verse of her beautiful hymn. Per perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending bring from above echoes of mercy, whispers of love. Now, underline that phrase, echoes of mercy. Think about that for a few moments. Echoes of mercy. Watch this. How many of you are here today and you have been shown mercy and grace from God? Let me see your hand. Because you have been shown mercy as a holy nation, as a royal priesthood, as God's special people, you now have received mercy, so that means you give mercy. See, if we were to sit down with Fanny Crosby, I can promise you, I can guarantee you, that she was a woman who was full of mercy. Why? Because she had been forgiven much. And when you've been forgiven much, the Bible says you love much. And think about that phrase, echoes of mercy. You ever been in a canyon? And in that canyon you go, hello, 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 hello. How are you? How are you? How are you? How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I think there's a, there's a movie about that with the, the Grinch. He says something and it comes back. Anyway. Echoes of mercy. When you release mercy into people's lives, it goes on forever. When you hold judgment and you criticize and you hold people with a judgment attitude, Fanny Crosby was saying, when you live with a blessed assurance, you're filled with mercy and your mercy goes on and on and on. Let me illustrate this. Michelle and uh, Bruce and Lisa and, and David, you guys come up here real quick. You never know when I'm going to call on you. Okay, Michelle, come here, and then David, then Bruce and Lisa. You guys stand there. Watch this. When I live with blessed assurance... I'm not the policeman to judge everybody that I come in contact with. Because I know I've got a judge that I'm going to answer to, and you have a judge that you're going to answer to. 
Some of our problem is we wake up thinking that we're to be the policemen for everyone around us. And we judge, and we criticize, and you get bitter, and you get mad. I think if we would go to Starbucks with Fanny Crosby, we would find that she was a woman that was full of mercy. Echoes of mercy. Uh, David, come stand over here. There you go. Bruce, come stand here. Lisa, stand here. All right, watch this. Echo. Here, David, you go. you're messing up, David. <laughs> Sorry. Watch this. Echoes of mercy. When I release, hang on, Michelle. When I release, when I release mercy into Michelle's life, I want you to see what Michelle does to her husband, who's always messing up. She, <laughs> see, I release mercy, mercy, then watch this. Michelle comes in contact with David, and what does she give to David? Mercy and love. Okay, enough of that, will you guys? <laughs> David, you receive mercy. What do you do to Bruce? Beautiful. Bruce, you receive mercy. What do you do to Lisa? Beautiful. Wow, this is a great Valentine's message, isn't it? <laughs> Lisa, what do you do when you receive mercy? Good. Bruce, what do you do when you receive mercy? Good. David, what do you do when you receive mercy? Okay. Michelle, what do you do to your pastor who loves you? <laughs> mercy. Echoes of mercy. Could it be that the reason there's so much drama in your life is mercy is not echoing from you? Drama, judgment, criticism. You're the policeman for righteousness in the world. And you're miserable. And so, sorry. And so is everyone around you. What's coming from you is judgment, criticism, legalism. And Fanny Crosby said, oh, I'm blind, but I can see. And what's going to come out of my soul and my spirit is echoes of mercy. Mercy, 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 mercy. And when you live a life of mercy, echoes of mercy come from you, and it goes on forever. Whispers of love. That's what she said. You can't have mercy without love. Echoes of mercy, whispers of love. Now watch this. She was blind, which means that her other senses were more in tune. When you can't see, you've got to start depending on what? Hearing. And when she got alone with her Heavenly Father, she heard in her spirit whispers of love, echoes of mercy. And because of that, she could pen the phrase, blessed assurance. I've heard God whisper to me, I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. I'm a God's special possession. I've been called out of darkness. I've been called into his marvelous light, and 
I did receive mercy, but now I receive mercy, so I give away mercy. And when you release mercy into the environment, when you release mercy into the atmosphere, when you release mercy into people's lives, it echoes forever. Do you want to change the dynamics of your family? Do you want to change the dynamics of your company? Do you want to change the dynamics of your church? Do you want to change the dynamics of your nation? Live with blessed assurance, knowing who you are, knowing who God is. And when you come in contact with people, you whisper love and you echo mercy. And that, my friends, is how you live a life that people will look at and they'll glorify God. Are y'all with me this morning? Oh, dear, we got to go. I'm not sure God's glorified when the thing that comes, thank you guys, bless your heart. Bruce, you can go to the keyboard. You're not done, Bruce. We're going to get our money's worth out of you today. I'm not sure God is really glorified when what, com what, when what comes out of us is always judgment criticism. What echoes out of us is always trying to correct everybody. I found most times the people are, that are always focusing on trying to fix everybody else usually got a lot of drama in their own life. And they're escaping their own drama and they're pinpointing other people's drama. Echoes of mercy. Whispers of love. And you change a nation. A change a church. You change a family. You change a company. You change the dynamics with in-laws and outlaws and, 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 and all the dynamics by speaking echoes of mercy. Whispers of love. Number one, when you live a life of blessed assurance, you walk with courage and confidence. Number two, you walk with mercy and love. Number three, you walk with joy and optimism. And then number four, I'm going to close with this. You walk with a story and a song. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, most men and women live lives of quiet desperation and then they fall asleep with the song in their heart. Can I tell you something this morning, church? You have a story. You have a song. And what God wants you to do is release that story and that song so the world can hear and God get glory. Oh, Pastor Scott, you don't understand. I'm 89 years old. You have a story. You have a song. And the world is waiting to hear a story that is filled with echoes of mercy. A song that is filled with whispers of love.
There's a song in you. There's a story in you. And it's not about you. It's about the goodness of God. That you walk in in blessed assurance, God will use you and your story and your song to glorify our mighty, awesome God. There's a song in you, sir. There's a story in you, ma'am. You're not finished. I want you to think of Fanny Crosby. I want you to think of how she had the, the right to become secluded and insecure and fearful. No, the exact opposite happened. She became a voice so that God gets glory. There's a song, there's a story in you, and the world needs to hear it. Make sure it's filled with echoes of mercy and whispers of love. You know what I've been doing? I've been flying back and forth from Atlanta to Orlando and Florida, Orlando to Atlanta, and I've done it 23 times now. You know what I do? I'm not reading the USA Today. I'm not reading the Washington Post. I've got a pen in my hand, and I've got a notebook, and I'm documenting what God is doing in our family. Why? Because I've got a song, and I've got a story. And the reason you're going through what you're going through is not for you to feel sorry for yourself. You're to be like Fanny Crosby and let the world know you can walk in blessed assurance even when you're blind and you're brought up by a widow, 21-year-old widow, there's a song and there's a story in your heart today. Are y'all with me this morning? Share your story. Let's not hide it under a bushel. Let's share it. Oh, you don't have to write a book. You can speak to your neighbor. You can speak on the job. There's a song in you. There's a story in you. Let it out so that God gets the glory. I spent two hours yesterday writing. It's all about how great God is. It's all about how great our Father is. I don't want the glory. I don't. I want God to get all the glory. So I've got a story. And I've got a song, and I'm going to sing it all the day long. You've got a story, too. Would you stand up across the auditorium?